I don't know, it was, it was just all throughout, our, all throughout um, our childhood, we were sort of creating stuff. And, and, and I think, you know, I did schooling and, you know, you know, and I learned a lot at school and that was great. But, but that ability to create something from nothing mm. is the thing that has um, set me going in life and will keep me going in life. And it's the thing I want to pass on to my children as well. Like, if you can create something from nothing, then no matter what life lies ahead, you will, you will be okay. I mean, who knows what life's going to be like in 2050, 2060. Mm. But if you can create in this environment, no doubt you can create in that environment. Hello, and welcome to The Blueprint, lifestyle design podcast, unpacking and applying creative design principles to help you live your maximized life. And now, ready to help you design and build your ultimate awesome future, here's your host, Andrew Lord. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Blueprint. Thank you so much for joining me here today. This is the last episode for 2020. It has definitely been a tough year. We've faced lots of challenges, um, but you know, the greater the challenge, the greater the triumph. And we've been able to look at success from some very different perspectives this year, chat to some amazing people, and also get some brilliant insights into just how we can turn adversity into success. We also, of course, on The Blueprint, talk about education, how we can have an impact and how we can scale that success to a much broader audience. And we're going to be looking at both of those themes today. Today, we're chatting with uh, Tim Madron. Tim has a long string of successes in the creative arts in particular. He's had roles in Peter Pan, The Rocky Horror Show, The Addams Family, Fiddler on the Roof, uh, most recently Banjo. Tim is probably most well-known as a former member of the children's group High Five. He's filmed 135 episodes. He's released three albums with Sony Music Australia, toured internationally. He was nominated along with the rest of the group for two TV Week Logie Awards, two ARIA Awards, and an Asian Television Award. And recently, you know, in the last five years, Tim and his wife Stephanie, they founded their own production company here in Port Macquarie, Gotcha Back Productions. And through that, they not only support their roles as artists and performers and, and put on, you know, world-class performances uh, here for the community and, and touring with those, but they also mentor the young people and they help kids to develop real skills, skills that they might not be able to uh, achieve elsewhere. So it's an absolute pleasure to be talking with Tim Madron here on The Blueprint. And a little bit later, we're going to find out about his latest project just been released and where you can go to get your hands on that. Let's get into it. Tim, welcome to The Blueprint. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, really looking forward to talking with you about all the different projects that you've got going on. Um, but if we could first, I just want to have a little bit of a chat about the young Tim. You know, you were born in New Zealand. That's right, isn't it? Uh, I was actually born in Australia. Oh, born in Australia. Um, yeah, yeah, Tell yeah. Me... Wikipedia is wrong on that one. But it's, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to change it. Um, I was born in Australia, but I grew up in New Zealand. I moved to New Zealand at a very early age. Okay. Um, and I moved to a town called Blenheim, which is uh, now more popularly known as Marlborough outside of New Zealand where all the wine comes from. Okay. Um, and it's a very small town. Uh, oh, look, look, it was about 20, 30,000 um, in the area. And uh, it's very, quite similar to Port Macquarie in many ways. Um, so it, I'm not surprised that my journey has taken me from a small town back to a, back to a small, uh, I don't know, 
smallish city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what was, um, you know, your childhood like? You know, what was it like growing up there? Interesting. Um, I, uh, my life in Blenheim was very free. Um, it's right next to the Marlborough Sounds, which is the gateway sort of where the ferry goes from the North Island to the South Island. And um, we would spend our summers in the Marlborough Sounds and these old army huts that, um, and in the bay that we would spend a lot of our summers there, uh, there was one telephone and there was a sort of a rule within the whole bay that you do not have a television in your batch or your little house. Um, and so it meant that we were throughout the entire summer as kids trying to find things to do. One summer, someone said that a pirate had come in the middle of the night and buried treasure somewhere in the bay. So we all for ages were searching for buried treasure. We made huts one year, um, sailing another year, fishing another year. I don't know. It was, it was just all throughout, our, all throughout um, our childhood. We were sort of creating stuff and, and, and I think, you know, I did schooling and, you know, you know, and I learned a lot at school and that was great. But, but that ability to create something from nothing mm. is the thing that has um, set me going in life and will keep me going in life. And it's a thing I want to pass on to my children as well. Like if you can create something from nothing, um, then no matter what life lies ahead, you will you will be okay i mean who knows what life's going to be like in 2050 2060 mm. but if you can create in this environment no doubt you can create in that environment and yeah. um so that's that's sort of strangely in doing nothing with the arts when i was sort of young but i had an interest um sort of has has helped me to you know that understanding of how to create is mm. is very important I think. Yeah. Yeah, I love that um that concept of um art through adventure. You know, that's something that we try and do um in, oh, yeah. in our programs as well. I just think that's a really uh cool way to look at it. Um it sounds like uh, from your childhood and you, you've described it was a lot like Port Macquarie and it sounds like you've sort of come full circle on your journey. In between there is the high five experience. I don't think I've ever asked you, you know, what was that like? So uh, we all know Tim Madrin from high five, but can you give us a little bit of insight? You know, what was it like, um, you know, those years? Well, I, I've just been reflecting on this the last few days a lot. Um, I, I would say that high five was the, from a technical point of view, was the SAS training of, of how to be a performer. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, it really was. We, we, we learnt. I mean, I went to Whopper, like the best drama school in the country. Um, but it, it was, it was nothing compared to what I learnt on High Five. I mean, High Five, we did. Um, our year would go like this: we would start and we would record an album. Um, so we were across all that, the intricacies that go with that. Um, then after we recorded the album, we would record the music videos for that album. And then we would record a live, uh, then we would record a, a television, television series with, with um, all the episodes that would go along with that album. Then after that television would, series would finish, we would, we would then, um, while that was all being sort of, uh, the editing was finished, we would tour, usually internationally. Um, and then the television series would come out, we would do some press for that. Uh, then we would probably do a national tour. Um, in between all that, we would be working with all the charities 
um, with um, World Vision, Starlight um, Foundation, all sorts of charities and, and functions. And then, um, and then we would have carols at the end of the year, which we perform for the entire nation for. So, by the, but throughout the course of the year, we would have done national touring, international touring, film, television, um, television series, recorded an album, um, and then dealt with all the distribution and all the sort of the, 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 the technical things that go along with that. And then the next year, we would be nominated for the Logies and the Aria. So, we got to sort of see it all. And it was really interesting, like when we did carols, every year performers are wanting to do carols at the Maya Music Bowl. Yet we were there every year. We were the staples. We were there. We would see the performers come and go. Um, we were there every year at the Logies. We were there every year at the Arias. And um, people often sort of think of children's entertainers as sort of, you know, the, the, I don't know, they entertain children, not, not the rest community. But we throughout what we did high five was very popular in australia with the initial group and after i replaced nathan high five became very popular throughout asia south america and all these areas and we mm. discovered that high five was teaching people english mm. so our audiences were not just children they were adults because they were learning english through what we were doing and um it was it was the most amazing time and then the heart of what high five was doing with helping children and educating children and, and what we learned about how to work with children, um, how to perform for children, how to deal with children who were with world vision. We, we deal with children who are in poverty, children who were terminally ill. Um, and if you see, if you deal with children, you learn a lot about humanity. And um, so it was an incredible, incredible show and, and, as a group, yeah, we had our ups and downs and rounds and rounds, but we're still, we're still tight. We are mm. like, we're still very close. All the production team and stuff are still in contact. Um, and I think Australia should be really proud of the children's content they produce. Mm. Um, even Bluey now and what it's doing is, is, is very good. And there's some incredible um, writers and uh, the, the writer for all the songs for High Five was also on Bananas and Pajamas. Um, so don't think that it's sort of just, you know, one and, you know, every, everyone, there's a, there's a, an industry that's been growing and has been fortunate enough to grow probably since play school, which was like 50 years ago or whatever. There's, yeah. there's been a real strong legacy of, um, top quality Australian entertainment. And I was lucky to be a part of that. Mm. And it's probably the big reason our production company is able to exist up here. Um, we, because we have to move from working with children to, producing uh touring productions to mm. producing films people would go oh that what what's you know but I, i've had a lot of experience in all these areas thanks to high five because yeah. we did it every year and we repeated it every year so we became very very accomplished in what we were, were doing with high five yeah, there you go <laughs> that's amazing no it's such a it's good to hear that story because um uh, you, you hear the the headline, you know, Tim Madrin from High Five, but to to know what it was like, uh, I think is is really important. And um, we, did you have a sense that you were kind of involved in a in an industry in a in a you know with the marketing and all of those sorts of things, or, or did you kind of just come in, do your bit, and, and leave? <laughs> no, we we it was really hard because you have a whole lot of experts. We were we were 
we were run by Channel 9 and Southern Star or Endemol at that stage. The two, like we've got a, a top channel and a uh, broadcaster and, and um, a production company. Um, our film, uh, our films and television series and album uh, and those were just were distributed by Roadshow. Then we had Sony on board as well. Mm. Um, so having had all these experts doing their thing, we our shows were directed at NIDA and rehearsed by NIDA people. You know, it was all the top people. Yet we were the eyes. We were the ones who saw what these albums were doing in different countries. Mm. You know, these people weren't in the slums of Cebu in the Philippines or in, in, you know, somewhere random in Malaysia or, you know, that we were there. Um, so it meant we became very passionate about the brand and very passionate about it because when you see your, your face on the side of a 40 foot, like, like seriously, it's like 40 story building and your that's your whole body was on a massive <laughs> like banner there you take your responsibility very strongly. What are you saying? And especially when you're dealing with kids, what are you saying to these kids? What are you sharing with these kids? What, what's your lasting legacy with this? Yeah. So we, we did become very passionate about it. As a group, we, um, we forwarded relationships with the charities and, and made sure that we were sharing the heart of High Five first and just in, in the business. Mm. Um, and with our business, it taught me also about like our business is called Got Your Back Productions, which um, is about having fun, but it's also about looking after people. Mm. It taught me about um, how a business needs to have a social responsibility in some sort of way, about improving humanity in some sort of way. Yeah. Um, and that's what we really um, took seriously on High Five, very seriously. There was no chance of any of us, you know, having some sort of blowout that the, the press would love. Yeah. Because we knew it was too valuable and and the legacy would be to I don't know, what what High Five could do would be would be damaged because of that. So yeah. we took it all we all took it very seriously. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Is got your back sort of the banner for all of the, the work that you do? You know, you know, your crew distribute and, and, and that is it all under that banner? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We quite hard to describe, but we have essentially two businesses. Mm. Um, under within Got Your Back, we have our professional productions, and then we have our productions that train the up and coming children of tomorrow. Yeah, I mean that was the initial thing with Got Your Back Junior is that we train the next generation. If we are to live in a regional centre, we have to invest in the community itself to help blossom that industry. Mm. However, since we've been doing these shows, we've honed we've we've owned these productions to be less about you know trying to build these great performers um because we sort of realized what when, when you're in the profession um put it this way if when we we're on set with high five if you're in a a, a tree costume or a mashed you're playing a mashed potato for the day yeah. or something you're gonna feel you're going to feel not comfortable very easily. I know yeah. there's a better way to say that if someone's snickering in the background um, and whispering and, and so they made sure that whoever was on set was, was there to help make us feel comfortable. And within the arts, you have to feel comfortable to get up and chat and talk and all these sorts of things. And, and so what it meant is that they consistently hired nice people 
um, and people who said the pleases and thank yous and and those sorts of situations in the in the performing world. And I've dealt even with the Broadway shows I've done. I've dealt with the top people from Broadway. They're really nice people, and mm. by being good people, they get what they want out of mm. others. Um, and so we sort of been honing this with the the Got You Back Junior program in the way it's like this philosophy, which is um, great people make great performances. Um, so we don't focus on the talent of the individual and the and the um, immediate artistic ability of the individual. We focus on their leadership, on their um, how they how they help others, their pleases, their thank yous, their preparedness, their their ability to be on time, mm. um, and and their ability to just dig in and help build mm. the situation, um, and. So that means that if someone sings out of tune, we don't care. If someone drops a line, we don't care. Because if people are having fun on stage, if people are feeling comfortable on stage, if people are feeling like they've got a home within their cast, mm. those things are more important than, than the production. So it's sort yeah. of become less about training the next generation of professionals and more about giving children in regional areas a, a space to feel comfortable, a space to grow their confidence, a space to find friends, mm. a space to do, and and if they can do that, great. And we are, and we find we found nine times out of ten that the the actual show is better because of because of that. And and with our with our professional productions, we um we always make sure. So got you back. Um, we highlight. We try to highlight the talents of the individual. We build a team. We find a team always at this stage so far has always been from this our region, regionally based artists, and then we build the show with that team. So instead of going, hey, I'm going to make a Romeo and Juliet and I want you to fit into my production, mm. we go, hey, we're going to make a production. We want you involved, you involved, you involved. This is the vague structure. Let's see what comes out of it. Mm. And and within that, we also make sure that the, the staff are, are very well looked after um, our rehearsal, our rehearsal areas. We we go by the philosophy that it's it's better to have a thousand enemies outside of your camp than one inside your camp. So we make sure that the environment within the rehearsal space is always um, kind, respectful, comfortable. Everyone feels like they've got a voice. Mm. Um, and and from then, then we can have our fun because that's yeah. where fun comes from. You can't fake that. And yeah. I think I learned that on High Five. You know, it's really hard to fake being best friends when you really don't like each other yeah so anyway sorry i'm going on and on but but yeah no, this that's is really good stuff um I'm, we have a lot of educators and um parents who will be listening to this and i just think that there's such wisdom in that you know you're showing great leadership on and how to essentially build a culture and it doesn't really matter whether you're running a school running a business um getting the right people and deliberately fostering that sort of positive culture is going to be um such an such an asset uh emmy my daughter has obviously had the privilege of, of working with you guys and um that's the part that we love is that it's not just a um it's get up learn how to sing learn how to dance you know, those those things are great of course but we know that uh she's with good mentors and that she is building her character um confidence learning how to collaborate learning how to communicate well these are all, you know, 21st century learning skills that uh, that schools, I think, are struggling to to teach and to get across because they're still stuck in a 
uh, traditional, let's break it up by subject kind of paradigm way of doing things. Uh, what you guys do exemplifies project-based learning. You know, you bring them in, you give them a project um, and they, they blossom in that culture. And not only do they blossom in terms of what you want from them, but they, they blossom, I think, in, in ways that are inside them. You know, it's, um, you don't necessarily teach them how to be themselves, but you create an environment where who they are on the inside uh, can come out. And I think, yeah, really, cool. I, when I think about art, that's what I think about, you know, it's about bringing what's on the inside out. And, Do you agree and, with that? Yeah, like uh, there's, a, there's a saying in the industry, be yourself because everyone else is taken. <laughs> and you can try and be the next Justin Timberlake or you can try and be, but you'll never, you'll never be the next Justin. You'll never because they're not, you're, you're not them. Mm. You have to be you. The yeah. Justin Timberlake focuses on everything that's great about them. Mm. And that's what we want. We want the kids to go, just focus on what's great about you. And, and you know, that, and also we tell stories um, about situations that in theatres and, you know, when I mean stories like, you know, theatre and film, that are situations that sit on the outskirts of humanity. We're talking about death. We're talking about rebirth, um, you know, like all the, all the, the big stuff. Yeah, the nitty gritty stuff. And also we've found that students who come to our courses, they sometimes sit on the outskirts of their social, you know, circles within schools. Mm. Um, and they're the ones we want to hear from. Mm. Like we want to hear those stories from, from we, we want to hear, we don't want to hear from the person who sort of goes to the shop and buys a carrot every day. You know, that's a boring story. We want to hear from the person who went to the shop and got abducted by aliens. Yeah. Um, I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and the arts has always been very good like that because it needs to welcome in people sitting on the outskirts of society because they are our storytellers. Yeah. Um, so we found also like with, with our children, like it's important that they find a home. It's important mm. that they feel comfortable to say, Hey, I've got this opinion. Mm. Um, I think this way. And someone else goes, I think this way. And because mm. it, it, it is also what makes the arts hard, especially when teaching in the arts is that like physics is law. Everything else is opinion. Like we know if we drive a car into a wall that what, what's going to happen to that car. Mm. But we don't know, like this film I did on the weekend, we had no idea how that would be received because it's, it's opinion based mm. and it makes it hard as teachers because you have your opinion, but it's not, it's not a right or wrong opinion. It's just your opinion and you've had mm. experience. That's great. Um, but, but we, we find with, with, with all these sorts of things, we, we, we try to welcome everyone's opinion and, and yes, we guide it and yes, we steer it to, the project that we're working on, what we need to achieve. But um, certainly, you know, it's important that kids realize that a lot of, uh, I found sometimes in regional, a lot of teachers go, oh, I'm gonna stay with my class. And if you go to another group, you are breaking the, the, the cardinal rule. Yeah. But we need to get as much feedback from, go, go to our companies, go to other things, because then you start to form your opinion. And then as if we used it as a medical term, you would be, you would be able to self-medicate. You would be able to, you're able to go, okay, this is what I think. And then you can produce shows and put things on because you have your own opinion. You have your own guide and you can trust your own instinct with that. This is a question <laughs> that we ask everyone who comes on the blueprint because the, the podcast is all about examining the source code of success and how we can use education uh, to scale that. Um, 
how do you define success for yourself personally? And how do you define success for the, for the young people that you work with? I, I, personally, how I define success has really changed. And I think it will continue to change as my priority change. Like um, when I was out of school and, you know, I wanted to be successful and be on stage and, mm. you know, and I, I, I got that. I got that. I, got, I wanted to be the lead role in shows and I, and I got that. Mm. But by the time I got that, I had I, I'd actually already moved to Port Macquarie. I moved to Port Macquarie and then I got the lead role in two major shows in Australia. And um, But my priorities had changed by that stage. Um, success for me is um, being able to see my sons as, as good humans, um, feeling like I have a happy marriage, um, feeling like I'm able to put something into the world that will benefit things beyond beyond me i don't know i think i think that's what i sort of see success now um uh, yeah and and with with success um yeah i i I do i do with with our children uh, sort of our students and stuff i i um a successful production is one where simply the kids want to hang out after the production's finished like they've found they've found friends They've found a sense of belonging. Mm. They've found if that happens, that's the that's the that's the highest success for me. I think um, that that yeah. You know, you've I got the know. culture right if you if if they're wanting to do that at the end. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's that's it. Um, yeah, we had we had two um, casts for the show that Emmy was in with with Romeo and Juliet, and they hadn't met each cast, you know, and they were performing for each other. So there was a propensity for it to be quite a competitive situation. Mm. And also due to the COVID situation, we had to keep them separate Mm. at all times. Um, So it was a, it was a, it was a a prime situation for the wave, something, I don't know if you've read the book, the wave, like an us and them sort of situation. Um, And I just loved watching them in their own groups engage with each other, happily play, not worry about the whole us and them thing. They're, they're just happy being with each other and, you know, and, 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 and then they take pride in putting on a show that is of their group. Um, mm. that's, that's, that's when I go, oh, yeah, this is, this is really cool. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Oh, so and you- another thing is, sorry, another one is a good teacher makes themselves irrelevant. When we did Into the Woods earlier this year in uh, the Glass House, the entire production from ushering everything was done by the, by the kids. And, and that for Steph and I, we sat in the audience and watched at the glass house that no, with no kid over the age of 16, um, or young person, sorry, I shouldn't say kid is patronizing, but, but like with no, you know, young person over the age of 16, then they were running a full show in the glass house and the audience had no idea. And we were sitting in the audience. There was nothing we could do if something went wrong. We threw it all over to them. And that, that was for us was like, yeah, this is cool. It's, it's, exist, it's existing without us. Yeah, that is really cool. I love that. Yeah, there's yeah. that famous quote that you often hear, you know, when the student is ready, uh, the teacher will appear. I often like to reverse that and say, when the student is ready, the teacher will disappear. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah. So tell us about this project that you have been working on. We're coming up to Christmas, and if all goes uh, well, the people listening, you go, you guys are going to be hearing this just before 
uh, Christmas. So tell us about this project um, that you've been working on lately. Yeah, we, we, um, when the COVID situation first happened, um, we decided to do, go into drive-ins. Uh, so drive-in theatre or drive-in cinema, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, so we met uh, a lady from the council, Port Macquarie Council, by the name of Kelly Mapleston, uh, who we hadn't met previously, who's just awesome, a kindred spirit. And uh, anyway, we worked on the, the drive-in and all the intricacies of it through lockdown. And then after lockdown, um, we, I can't remember how, but we were having a conversation about um, Christmas and what, what should sort of, what, what they were sort of planning to do for the Christmas celebration, given the COVID situation. And, and I spoke about, um, you know, maybe we could do a film. And so, so we've, we've put together a film this year for Christmas for the celebration for the region. Um, but within this film, it's, we wanted to make Christmas. There was a few things that we wanted to sort of achieve. The first thing is, um, the region that we live in is the Port Macquarie, you know, mid North coast Hastings. I don't know. There's so many words with this region. And every now and then I get a, a few kids who we teach going, um, Oh, nothing happens in Port Macquarie, blah, 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 you know? And, and so firstly, we wanted we wanted the community to wake up and go, you know what, this place is awesome and you know it's awesome, otherwise you wouldn't live here. Mm-hmm. And this community is awesome and the artists that live here are awesome. Um, and so we wanted to get the best artists in the region. We wanted to, instead of um, what you normally have with the carols, is they get the artists and they put them in Port Macquarie. We wanted to grab the artists, the best artists we could find, and we wanted to put them throughout the region in the best locations um within the within the region uh and we wanted to highlight the best of the community and especially like given what happened last year with the fires um like the the song the christmas song oh the weather outside is frightful but the fire is so delightful well the fire burnt burnt 40 percent of the lga last year so like let's not talk about (laughs) fires being delightful let's like like let's make christmas let's make christmas a little bit more relevant to this region, not snowflakes and whatever's and sugar plums. <laughs> so we, with that, we said to the artists, um, and same thing like we always do, we said, we're building this project, we want you involved, you meet it in any way you think is appropriate. And Rose um, came back to us with a version of Silent Night, which essentially said, which is, it's stunning, um, but it also, it's got frogs and crickets going all the way through it and it gets louder as the, mm. as the song progresses, essentially says it's not silent in the bush in Australia at night. It's loud. Mm-hmm. And, but that's okay. It's holy too. Like this is holy. The bush is holy where we live is holy. Um, and that was an amazing arrangement. Uh, Matt Brooker did it and, and his wife, Liz Robinson did a version of Oh Christmas Tree. And we located some incredible trees around the region and, and filmed the, the shoot there. Um, and people came up to us with a, a lot of originals were put in the, in the Christmas celebration as well. So like, it was really cool that um, it's not your usual Christmas celebration. And we really weren't sure how it was gonna land with the local community. But at this stage, it's, it's, been, it's been received very positively. Um, and it's on until January 11th. Um, yeah. and even we've had people outside the community going, if you want to see a, a real Aussie Christmas celebration, watch this. Yeah. Um, because we do, we talk about the fires, we talk about what's happened. Um, and we don't just, um, 
sort of push it under the rug. The, the title, The Christmas Bell, actually came from um, in, in Lake Cadai. There was uh, an RFS member who was walking through um, just I, I, the, the bush had just been burnt and it was all charred everywhere. And um, this RFS uh, member was walking through the bush and, and suddenly in the middle of all this charred landscape was this beautiful yellow and red Christmas bell, which is quite a rare flower and only blooms in very specific areas at Christmas time. And, um, and she took a photo of it and um, Stuart Robb, the um, sort of head officer for Mid-North Coast RFS said, out of all the thousands of hours of footage and photos I saw, that was the one that stuck out to me because it was a sign of hope. And this year, because of the fires, there's these Christmas bells, which haven't been blossoming for many years. They're prolific through this area. And so we wanted to sort of highlight that as a metaphor that, yeah, we've been through hard times, but they could have been harder if we hadn't worked together as a community. Mm. Um, and we are blossoming. We are surrounded in charred earth, um, but we're moving forward and we're beautiful. Yeah. And that's the sort of the, the heart of it. So even though it's a Christmas celebration, we, we took it. We took it... Um, quite seriously and 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 i think people are getting that so yeah yeah i would recommend people watch it yeah where where's the best place for people to go see it uh it's online so uh, on and it's on the council yeah the council port Macquarie hastings council youtube page yeah. um okay. and you'll see an artist impression uh, an artist's um drawing david brooker mm -hmm. he drew a painting of the um of the christmas bell photo that was taken okay. uh, um and yeah, yeah. And, and everything in that film is local. That's a local, like he's a local artist. Even Blake O'Connor, when he does a song, he's in the Port Macquarie um, gallery with all Port Macquarie art that's around. Everything mm. you see is from the LGA. Yeah. So I love yeah, that cool. about it. We watched it uh, live when it uh, came out and um, it just really... For any locals watching it, that's what I was thinking while I was watching it. You really get a sense of belonging. You know, there's, um, you know, with the Clarence Street uh, one, there's a couple of oh, yeah. jokes there as well, you know. And it does. It does remind us that we live in a really special place. So uh, for anyone listening to this podcast, I will um, put a link just below wherever you're listening to this so that you can um, go and check that out. Check that out. I highly recommend it. Um, it's it's a lot of fun, but it's also moving. Uh, it's it's just a great piece of art, and I think as we sort of alluded to before, that uh, there is no right or wrong when you're when you're doing some sort of creative process, and so it is a courageous step uh, to to you know put out art in into the public arena and have it judged by other people. And I love yeah. that about it, you know. Uh, you might be able to correct me here, but the, the people that are on it don't seem to be, they're not polished professionals. They are, they are, they're great at what they do, but they still come across as really authentic and really um, connected uh, with their community and, and what they're trying to, to put across. And I love that about it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because well, it's the same sort of thing we say. We, we, we have the project and like we find people and then you meet it. Mm. You come back to us. And it was really interesting because all these artists were like, because we were sort of talking about song choices and stuff with them. And then I'd say, why don't you write your own? And mm. nine times out of 10, there'll be silence on the phone. And so <laughs> I, can, I can write my own. I'm like, yeah, go for it. And, yeah. and from that, we had, we had originals written that were great. Yeah. 
Mm. And now they're playing them at the pubs going, hey, here's my new song. And, you know, like, <laughs> it's it, that's awesome. Um, yeah. But it also, I don't know what it is, but sometimes we think our own voice isn't as, as valued as the, as the Bing Crosby version of White Christmas or as the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was, it, was, it was nice to be able to, um, you know, to be able to, to be in, in, involved in that. So, Tim, you are an inspiration, I think, to, to parents, to other educators, to other artists, uh, to young people. Uh, we're so lucky to have you in our community. Um, I, I love uh, that you're, you know, such an authentic family person. You know, when we started this call, you had a baby on your lap. <laughs> that was really cool. So I just want to say thank you for, for this Christmas production that you've put out uh, for the community. But thank you so much for everything that you're doing uh, in our community, both as an artist, you know, blessing us with entertainment, but also for our young people as well. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lovely thing. And, and Steph and I really love what we're doing. So, uh, and we love it being embraced by the community. We couldn't do it if the, compu if the community, you know, didn't come along for the journey so we're, we're, we're we feel very um successful in where we're going <laughs> that's good all right well i hope you have a, a wonderful christmas and we'll catch up with you really really soon thanks andrew yeah same with you merry christmas and um yeah thanks for asking me to be on here and there you have it the final interview for 2020 and i could not think of a better way to wrap it up than with tim madrin a highly successful guy i've wanted to have an interview with him for a long long time now and i really enjoyed that one it was a little bit glitchy in the middle i apologize for that i was actually sneaking a, a little holiday in uh, down the south coast when i recorded that and uh, the data wasn't up to the challenge so my apologies there but i think that you do get a, a strong sense of tim's humility you know his integrity he's a reflective thinker he's a conscious thinker and you can see i think a key hopefully that you're going to take away from this interview is He's deliberately creating a successful life. You know, he's thinking consciously about how to be a good husband, how to be a good dad, how to be a blessing to his community, how to create successful art. All right. And you can see that, you know, in his journey so far, all the way through from the high five days right through to now, he is applying his integrity, his social responsibility, and he is doing that with passion and purpose. So it's an absolute thrill to be able to connect with him and to be able to leave you with that for our wrap-up interview for 2020. Make sure you go and check out uh, his Christmas project. There's a link just below wherever you're listening to this video. And I'm looking forward to catching you next year 2021 brand new year with lots more great content here on the blueprint and a great thing that you can do right now to set yourself up for a brand new year is to go and take the lifestyle design quiz you can find the lifestyle design quiz at www.lifestyledesignquiz.com go and take that quiz get the free report that comes with it and it's going to set you up in a perfect way to step into 2021 knowing your strength profile knowing your focus for growth and knowing the next steps that you need to to take to live your maximized life thank you so much for supporting me all throughout this year i hope you have a wonderful christmas wonderful new year bye for now